thank you everyone so very much for joining me today on another episode of Talking Cloud. Now, you know, this is where we talk about cloud, all things cloud, no holds barred. I mean, we talk about SaaS, IaaS, PaaS, functions, Lambda, blob, storage, you name it. We're going to talk about it if it's cloud or cloud related. And certainly we're going to slant a little bit towards security. We always do. Now, you know, I'm no expert, but what I do know how to do is I know how to find them. And man, I am so so excited about our guest today. I think you're going to just love this episode. It undoubtedly is going to be one of my top, if not top ones. I just know it. So truth be told, don't know Chuck real well. Uh, met him, uh, had the wonderful pleasure of having a couple of calls with him and speaking with him. All you got to do is look at his LinkedIn headline and you go, whoa, there's, there's not a lot of headroom with this guy. He's been around uh, a very, very seasoned, highly influential in this space uh, we all call cybersecurity. Uh, you're going to learn about that in just a minute. I'm going to quit rambling about how impressed I was with his profile, and I'm going to actually allow him to introduce himself, give us a little bit of history on his background. I'm so thrilled and excited to introduce to you Mr. Chuck Brooks. Chuck, thank you very much. Chuck is the president and CEO of Brooks International. It's a consulting firm. I guess it's Brooks Consulting International. He's also a member of the faculty uh, at Georgetown University. See, I told you, and you haven't even heard much yet. So with that, I'm going to hand it over. Uh, Chuck, thank you so much. Welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's a, it's a real pleasure to be here. I can give you a quick uh, thumbnail approach to my, my background. I'm I'm originally from Chicago, and uh, like everyone else that really comes out to Washington, D.C., where I now reside, you know, I came here expecting to be here for you know, a couple weeks, months for an internship when I was younger. I just had finished uh, grad school at University of Chicago and and, uh, and uh, international law over in, in The Hague in, in Netherlands. So I thought, you know, let's, let's find out more how Washington, D.C. works. And I did find out very quickly. I ended up at a, at a party. And I uh, started speaking to a retired general named Daniel O. Graham, who happened to be a former deputy director of the CIA and former head of the Defense Intelligence Agency. <laughs> so I said, uh, you know, uh, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I, you know, I would, wouldn't mind working in government. So a week later, I found myself as a assistant to the director of The Voice of America. And uh, that wow. launched my government career. And it, it was a quick learn because I had to learn how everything worked. And I did that for a few years. And I jumped to the other part of government, the legislative branch, where I worked for the, the late Senator Arlen Specter mm. of Pennsylvania. Yeah. And uh, he was a real interesting guy to work with, uh, very smart. And uh, he gave me a portfolio of technology and security and uh, in foreign affairs. And so uh, I learned quick. Uh, ended up having to do a lot of speeches and ended up doing a lot of campaigning to two full-time jobs before I was actually married. So I would get up at 6 in the morning and and worked till 12 at night, you know, for like wow. four years. Wow. So it was, it, was, it was crazy, but it was, it was a learning experience. And then, uh, you know, after that, I, I went back to government and this time it was a large startup called the department of Homeland security. <laughs> and, uh, I was called by, uh, uh Tom Ridges people and mm -hmm. they said, you want to be part of this startup? And I said, well, I'm, I'm not really interested in a startup, but, and they said it was a big startup. So, okay. <laughs> I said, yes. And I ended up uh, going to, uh, 
sort of what was a GSA warehouse and helping set up uh, the legislative uh, affairs department, wow. which is critical at the early stages with uh, with things going on and, uh, you know, for accountability. And also then uh, uh, shortly thereafter, they asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, well, there's only one really new part of, of, of uh, DHS. Everything was sort of meld together from 22 other agencies. It would be great to uh, do something that's really interesting with science and technology. And I ended up uh, taking over, uh, helping uh, sort of set the, set it up and doing the legislative affairs for uh, the science and technology directorate. And the first director was a guy named Chuck McQuarrie, came out of Bell Labs. Hmm. And, uh, you know, our portfolio was chem, bio, uh, rad nuke, and explosives, and they added cybersecurity because it was early on. And <laughs> Those some go people together. had some foresight. Yeah. Right? Explosives <laughs> no, and cybersecurity. <laughs> <laughs> it was early on before the connectivity uh, you know, expanded, <laughs> sure. but still. Sure. And so uh, you know, that's where I really got involved in, in technology and cyber in that end, and I learned a lot. You know, still stay in touch with all those people. And, that's you know, I won't go too much detail after, but I, I, I did work for a variety of industries, and uh, – uh, General Dynamics uh, Mission Systems being the latest, where I was a technology uh, uh, growth uh, principal and uh, also looked at uh, emergency, emerging technologies for security and cybersecurity and others. Of course, the cloud, and of course, uh, the cloud security was a component of that. <laughs> and then and, uh, I also, uh, as you mentioned, I've been teaching for four years now at Georgetown University, where I uh, in two programs, one is the Implied Intelligence Program, and the other is the Cyber Risk Management Program. And uh, I was uh, fortunate to be able to create my own course. Oh, cool. Which I finished uh, called uh, Disruptive Technologies in Organizational Management. And so I've been teaching that um, in a different way than I thought I'd be because it's all remote now and, and online and a lot right. of Zooming. But but still. And then and in my spare time, I do some writing for, for Forbes and a few other publications. And, and uh, you know, it's great to be here. And I look forward to uh, an engaging conversation. Yeah, well, you've you've already sure surely started it off that way, and you know, I was just thinking, maybe very insightful, long before we kind of standardized on TCP/IP for that, uh, for those two things to be in the same bucket, especially when you look at, uh, you know, what the Global Health Organization or whoever it is, the World Health Organization that puts one of the the top five threats to be cyber or something. I don't know. You know <laughs> I mean, it's it's so maybe that was insightful that those two were put together, bombs and and cyber, long before they actually connected because they both are pretty dangerous in the wrong hands, right? Well, you know, a, a virus pandemic we're experiencing now is is similar to the cyber pandemic and. In a lot of ways that they can do the same, right? You said like, there's a lot of damage, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, existential damage. So you're right. You know, they didn't know at the time, you know, yeah. how, how much we'd be more interconnected and how much data would be uh, it's at risk. But but still, they, at least they 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 started the right right on the right foot. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm curious to pull a little bit on the the courses you're teaching, and you know, one of the topics I, I'm sure you're very familiar with, Chuck, is the unbelievable uh, lack of cybersecurity professionals in the marketplace today and how there's this huge delta from what enterprises and businesses require and what's available and what's coming out of the educational institutions overall. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? And do you feel like we're addressing it? Do you see the same delta? What What's your forecast there? 
Yeah, it is a huge issue in some people's minds, the number one issue. It's not just the United States, it's a global issue. <laughs> um, I think what's happened is is that no one, and we're talking about forecasting, no one forecasted the, the, the requirements necessary to do all we're doing with businesses, the Internet of Things, um, OT, IT. Yeah. All these things uh, sprouted up so much in the last decade that we really didn't have the, the capability to train enough people or track enough people. And education system itself uh, didn't really have any of that. And all they had was really computer science course for, for most, most colleges or universities. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we got a late start for one thing. And then the other thing we had, uh, you know, people are uh, traditionally uh, in, in IT are in IT. And, and uh, a lot, it was difficult to attract people to be in that, that world. Uh, relied on, on the same people we have been, you know, for years instead of uh, recruiting because uh, the need was, uh, you know, much, much more. And then there was a lack of diversity. There was more of a, a stereotype of, of what an IT person does. Mm -hmm. And so we fell even further behind the curve. Yep. And and then, uh, you know, we have like a, a 400,000 shortage right now. And then you have all these other issues now because you have a competition uh, because there's such a dearth of talent yep. and skilled people out there. You know, uh, jumping from company to company and then also with the government, uh, yeah. very difficult to hold people inside the government. And so they've gone to, uh, you know, the, the way of now uh, basically retraining employees to go into cybersecurity. Um, so it's it's a real, real issue. There, I think there are better ways to, to deal with it. I think, uh, you know, one is to start earlier. You know, the STEM is obviously great, but start earlier in, in, in grade school and middle, middle schools. Uh, technology is future and it's here. And, uh, you know, the, we have to put a premium on these type of, of uh, jobs. And it doesn't necessarily have to be technical, too. Uh, cybersecurity has a lot of soft skills. It has yep. the planning and policy and compliance. And, and so I think we really need to, to make it more visible. I mean, it, it pays well already. So yep. I think you'd think more people would be involved with it. But, uh, you know, there, there are still challenges. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, Chuck, you make some great points. One of the things, and I'm curious how you see it, you know, you obviously have seen a fair amount of change and you already referred to, you know, back in the days when we all weren't all connected. And I, too, have kind of evolved through those eras to to where we are today. And I know you've heard of Moore's Law, right? And and, sure. and, yeah. and how Moore's Law, you know, I think originally he said it was every two years it would double or have in price in 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 cost and and we know that's now i mean what six eight months or something uh it fluctuates but it's highly compressed and i just wonder if it's the combination of moore's law and how it now is in every aspect of our lives technologic technology is in everything right and and, and have we really shifted our uh, security skills, our security investment to be commensurate to how ubiquitous technology in a, is in our lives, let alone our business lives. I don't think we have. I think it's like we, we're still, you know, we've now got 10 acres instead of one acre, but we're still yeah. trying to water it with the same garden hose. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And, and, and if you look at, you know, I think it was 15 years ago. There was an office in Congress called the Office of Technology Assessment, and they got they they abandoned it. They think, well, we we know enough about technology. We really don't <laughs> need the special office, and that sort of uh, exemplifies the whole problem. I mean, 
we really don't you know when people go to the hill they they don't understand it um it's it's too uh cordoned off uh f- from the rest of the world yet you know, we we rely on it more and more every day yeah you see you know, and, the, the, and these are the people and these are the people that are passing legislation and and and, <laughs> yeah. and the people that are imposing uh legal restrictions and 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 compliance requirements that you know they haven't had the hand on the keyboard in a while or very or little. ever or ever <laughs> yeah so i mean that's always that disparity i think just it makes it even more difficult right uh, uh because people see technology as like oh it's something scary and you know and i know it's it, it it's not i mean heck there's always undo right <laughs> there's undo and it's a tool right you know technology exactly you know it's a tool it, it gets you to the next step it makes things hopefully easier yeah, you know, it creates new opportunities, but it, it you know it has it can be a double edged sword in some cases. Yeah, you know, particularly so, with cybersecurity. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to ask you a question, and this was something that I was talking about with a friend of mine. It's cloud related, insofar as we were talking about how the cloud is with IoT now, with ubiquitous connectivity. It's truly, you know, the cloud is connecting to everything all of the time. And we kind of went off on this tangent, or I did, I guess, where I, I just started, I, I started pondering the idea of my refrigerator. Okay. And, what, <laughs> and here's what caused it. What caused it was my ice uh, maker was leaking and I called and they blamed it on my uh, water pressure. How they could assess it over the phone, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but I said, well, I'll just wait until my extended warranty kicks in and then have them come back in. And uh, sure enough, he comes in and it's something else. But, you know, I started just kind of pondering the idea that, you know, this refrigerator is only two years old and already they're cool and new and have connected Wi-Fi. And, and, and what's happening is where before I'd buy a refrigerator and I'd use it for 25 years because all I had to do was make sure that the motor, uh, the belt on the motor that, that turns on the fan or whatever uh, is okay. And it worked for 20, 30 years where now it's kind of accelerated all of our consumerism because of Moore's law is inside everything we buy. Yeah, and particularly it's interesting because you know I can relate uh, with COVID. You know when we were quarantined at home, uh, for some reason our refrigerator broke, our <laughs> oven broke, oh. and uh, you know and our water heater broke all at the same time. Mm. You know bad timing, but you just realize that you know these aren't old appliances. They, they just don't. They're not made to last. Yeah, and, and I think the whole consumer model is that you know we're, we're, we we want to you know, get you the best and the brightest and the, the latest gear or gizmo. And, and they don't really, they sort of build it in. <laughs> so, yeah. it a, you know, uh, you know, okay. And, and we'll do it. You know, we, we have to. And so, uh, but it is, it is, it is interesting how everything is now connected. Yep. And now, yeah, like I got the new, new, new refrigerator and the, Man, this thing does a lot of interesting things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it tells you it tells you when it's open. You know, it's a, you know, a lot of different things. <laughs> yeah, and and if it's doing that over the network, immediately you have to ask yourself. I mean, I mean, come on, Chuck. We've both been in this for long enough. We know. I mean, if it was built by a human being, it's Swiss cheese. 
It's just a matter of how big Absolutely. and how many, right? There are holes somewhere in it. And and that's the thing also that I think people don't understand. You know, the first computer I remember selling to Warehouser, the first Macintosh I sold to Warehouser back in the middle 80s or to Alaska Airlines, you know, had one megabyte of RAM. And I hold up my iPhone today that's, <laughs> you know, it's got 128 gigabytes, right? I mean, we reduce our defenses when we refer to it as a phone i think you know and not remembering oh, I, it's yeah. it's something it's a supercomputer it is a super i mean I, they say now that one uh, iphone has more capacity than all we had uh, to, that used uh, in computers to send uh, people to the moon on the Apollo program so no i believe wow. it. <laughs> it it's true yeah you know we, we've we've had this uh, growth in capabilities but we haven't really tracked what the capabilities are, and we have never planned for security in those capabilities, in particular, as you mentioned, with the Internet of Things. I mean, you know, no one ever really changes the default settings on those. There's no yep. underwriter's lab for all of the uh, gadgets now connected, and there's no real international policies because a lot of stuff's manufactured overseas. Yep. So we're, we're creating a, a world of trillions of sensors and, and billions of, of connected devices that, you know, who knows what uh, what lurks there. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of frightening, and and I think as much as we discover, I think it's going to continue to happen. So I got to tell you about a stat I just read, and this I think will be a good conversation. We all know about this kooky thing we're in the middle of. Twenty twenty is not going to be like a year anybody uh, I think in my lifetime is ever going to have a duplicate of. Right? I mean, it's just been really <laughs> wild. <hope> <laughs> yeah, let's let's hope not. Um, but what was interesting was we all know the rate of cloud and cloud growth off the hook, right? I think they uh, were putting it somewhere at like uh, somewhere uh, in the high 20s in terms of growth. And I say they, the analysts, the pundits, the gardeners yeah. of the world. And you know that, in fact, it's grown this year at something like 47 percent. Wow. And yeah, so, I, I, I mean, wow. And I don't see any end in sight. Do you? No, I mean, it, it's certainly, it, it's been a trend. I mean, I've talked about it as a trend for, for maybe a decade, particularly with government, mm -hmm. you know, migrating to the cloud. But it's really happening now. And I think, uh, you know, even the COVID-19 you know, 19 may have actually accelerated it now that we're, you know, we're all working remotely and, and working through the cloud. But uh, I think it's also a cost issue. It's a it's a security issue and, and it's a storage issue for a lot of companies now, too, and that they cannot afford not to be in the cloud. And, and as you mentioned earlier, the cybersecurity problem of not having enough security uh, in individuals and companies, et cetera, um, it's, it almost mandates that you have to do something in the cloud because you can't you can't do it on prem, particularly with people uh, rotating and leaving and administrators never accountable. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of issues that are, are really causing this in this digital transformation. And cloud is integral to it. Yeah, and your point of acceleration, I think, is spot on. In fact, I've heard that many times. Uh, let me ask you this: when I and re when I refer to memory, I'm referring to uh, if I had a big fat rubber band and I stretched it and then I let go of it, it would have almost a hundred percent memory, right? It'd go back to just about how it was. How much memory are we going to have? If the conferences, the shows, the events, our activity. How much memory are we going to have in in going into these 
large buildings. And in particular, I want to hear your view on education and university. I have a son in Belmont University. Yeah, um, you know, you're you're really right. I mean, this, I'm looking at it and under the, the magnifying glass of the situation we're in now with COVID-19. And it certainly has transformed how we communicate. Um, you know, 90% of us are using Zoom right now. And in, in my courses that I'm teaching are, are primarily done through Canvas and Zoom. And it's, it's just not the same. And I realize uh, for my students that it's, it's, it's easier in a sense. It's also harder in a sense. You really need the, the personal interaction. So technology uh, takes us away from what we really are a lot. It's a diversion in some place, although it can augment obviously what we're doing. But you really need the human-to-human contact. And I worry in, mm. in this kind of uh, you know new new world, as we become more reliant on technology, we become less reliant on, on human relationships in, in terms of business, in terms of not going to conferences and meeting people and interacting and getting the latest and the greatest, yep. to be able to share share visions with other CISOs and other things. It's just not the same. Uh, unintended you know, I, I consequences, you, you know, sometimes, yes. right? I mean, you, you know, that I, I, I don't know if that's an applicable statement about COVID because obviously, but when I look at things like social and some of the social tools, it's got some really horrible unintended consequences, right? I mean, I've seen people write and post things that I just know if they were breaking bread with that person, they would never say across the table. You know what I mean? <laughs> so so it, it is interesting how in addition to uh, losing the, the one-to-one, it also seems to almost like, you know how some people turn into somebody different when they get in their car? Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You've yeah. seen them, right? It's like they're in this protective bubble and they just it's like, what are you driving like? You know, because there's there's something that happens. And it seems like there's a similar transformation when people uh, start voicing their opinion in social. At least that yeah, certainly you know, seems like it. You know, you just thought you know, it really is a phrase that could be social media rage. I see it right now. You, oh. know, you see it in politics, but you even see it in. You know, in little things that don't matter, everything you pretty much is a commentary by someone or or a troll or someone just trying to undermine you. Yeah. You know, it's it's just really, really, you know, it's it's a uh, frustrating. And I, yeah. I see that you know that the, the ad hominem attacks on people. I mean, Facebook and, and Twitter are probably two of the worst. And yeah, you know, Instagram is mostly pictures. But uh, yeah, you know, that's why I pretty much stay mostly on LinkedIn because it is at least more business and professional like. But even there, there there's some trolls that will just. Yeah. follow you along just trying to provoke you yeah you know and and for me you know this is a whole nother podcast really and and it has to do with you know the t-shirt i sent you hopefully you got it i got it yeah, uh, yeah right on <laughs> right on uh, from your perspective uh, where are the where are the biggest threats that companies really need to be thinking about planning for overall in the cloud, just from a governance perspective, from a, from a minimizing risk, what are you teaching your students? Yeah. Well, you, you really hit it right there. It's, it's risk management and, and, it, and it applies to the cloud. You I mean the, the cloud is, it's not a technology in itself, but it's really an approach, you know, for building it and cybersecurity. So you have to look at basically have a plan up front and you have to know what your infrastructure is what your needs are, what policies and technologies you need to, to interact. Um, you know, do you need a, a defense in depth policy? Do you need to, to look at depending upon what your needs is, is, is a, 
as a company or an individual who's using the cloud, you know, how much visibility and transparency do you need? Uh, can you rely on, on giving your crown jewels to an outside cloud broker? Right. Um, you know, I think the biggest risk still, you know, in the cloud is is still human error. You know, uh, misconfiguring applications is yeah. is is typically the the, the main. The, you know, and that and that's just in cybersecurity too. It's really the the weakest element they say is the, the human, and that's right. it always is. It always is. And so, so I think if you're looking, uh, you know, at a, at a policy, the first thing you say is, okay, what data do I need to protect? You know, who has access to that data? How do I control it? Yep. You know, what type of encryptions do you need? Uh, you know, how do I secure the workloads, etc. And and then you got to, you know, obviously look at, you know, the costs, um, you know, how complex your your the pricing models are, yeah. uh, how much connectivity you have, and 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 there's a lot of varieties. But I think there's no doubt about it. You know, the cloud is is much more scalable and secure as we go along. You know, than it is uh, for most most users having on-prem. Yep. Yeah, no, and I think there's a lot more moving parts too, right, Chuck? I mean, that's that's what I think, and you hit, I think, the nail on the head with your first comment about you need to plan, right? And I think that's one of the things that really can get the cart ahead of the horse is it's so simple, so easy. I mean, I don't even have to pay for anything to spin up a new account, right? So it, it can it can really be dangerous. And, you know, I'm thinking about the things you're talking about. It's the combination of it being so easy and accessible and the fast pace and the change because it's just a mouse click away and it gets them it gets them into trouble. And when you start, I mean, look at what's going on with microservices, right? As things start to get smaller, these, mm-hmm. these you know, containers, functions, wow, Kubernetes. It's a game changer for what the world looks like and how you secure it because my monolithic view of an application that I have on premise in my data center goes away. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, containers are, are, are here to stay. And it's a question of how much more secure we can make them. I mean, yep. there's a there's a bit of vulnerability to, to everything, but uh, there's there's no doubt about it. And you mentioned too. I mean, the the, the micro offerings now of infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, software as a service. I mean, these are all cloud applications and and, and actually offerings now. Yeah. Applications. So I think, you know, it, it makes so much sense for pretty much anybody. I think now to to look at migrating to clouds, whether it be. A, you know, a, a private cloud or a hybrid or whatever they need to do. But again, it starts with what you just mentioned. Is you have to really know what your requirements are, know what your infrastructure is, um, and know where you want to go. It's, it's not much different from any business plan. Yeah. You really know to have the, what, what the risks, if you don't do the right things, where do you need to budget? Um, who, who do you go for for advice? Yeah. You know, who, you, who are the, the vendors that make most sense? I mean, there's so much that goes into it. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think the problem for most uh, is that, the companies are not doing it. <laughs> They're just sort of reactive right. rather than proactive. And that's where things get uh, problematic. Yeah, no, I, I think you're exactly right. And I think the combination of the trends towards SaaS, SaaS services, let's let's just say the trend towards AAS, you know, asterisk uh, <laughs> AAS. I mean, because... When, with things like Hashi and uh, all these other companies where I can start to federate out my um, MFA, my other components, my tools, that chain now, the links are smaller. It's just that much longer 
which represents that many more potential vectors that could be a compromise, right? I mean, it's yeah, just yeah. it's just that much more. Not that it can't be more secure and more automated, but I think people sometimes think that they can approach it the way they used to. And Yeah, no, they, they can't. It is much, much more complex. And you're right, exactly. And then you have to, to look at those elements. And then you also now have to look at, you know, uh, integrating data, data analytics and, and other uh, how you track your threats, all these different sort of uh, uh, subcomponents of it. So you really, you really do have to do planning. Otherwise, you're going to miss some things. So what do you see kind of just uh, on the, the horizon when, you know, from your perspective, 5G's emerging happening now, right? right. Um, we've got all these cloud uh, providers, but the, the herd is getting thinner because the few are getting bigger. Where's it going? What's going to happen? What's your kind of vision for how the cloud's going to infiltrate our lives? Well, I, th I think it's a trend that's an overriding trend in, in, in cybersecurity, too, is that things are going to be much more automated. And I think we're moving. And in, in many ways, it's easier to do automation in the cloud than it is on-premises anyway. Um, you know, I think that's a trend with uh, machine learning. It's, mm -hmm. it's certainly being integrated into a lot of applications. Uh, I also think that uh, once the big big guys fully move, like all the government agencies, which they're doing, it's much easier for uh, others to follow. And that's already happening because I think we're seeing now a really close public-private partnership in cloud stuff with, you know, Azure, AWS, and Google. Yep. I mean, they're all over government right now. Yep. And so I think it's becoming sort of unified. And uh, so you'll be see, seeing commerce and communications and government services all in the cloud. So I think that's the trend. Um, and then you have, you know, like you said, 5G, the ability to to download information much more rapidly and, and, and process it. So, um can I say, can I, can, can I just say hallelujah <laughs> when, when, you, when you, because what I, how that translates to me, uh, Chuck, is no more clipboards, you know, that maybe potentially I can fill out forms securely <laughs> for government agencies. And, uh, you know, that's encouraging. That's, that's yeah. really encouraging. Really? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's yeah. I think it was the eight, uh, government 18 program that started that digital government. And, uh, yes, that's, that's really encouraging. <laughs> I mean, the other thing I think is just that the, the volume of data is growing so rapidly now too. And, it, you know, with all this connectivity that the amount of data produced in, in every year is, you know, greater than the years, you know, behind it. So, yeah. uh, well, and what's uh, interesting yeah. too, isn't it, Chuck, how when you combine what I call the three, critical legs of the stool bandwidth connectivity and compute we already talked about the supercomputer in our hands unbelievable bandwidth i'm connected all the time yeah it's that combination that is transformative in in the world right it it certainly is i mean yeah, yeah you're really looking at at the, the really the the exponential exponential capabilities now that we have uh, to be everywhere and do anything we want through uh, communications and technology. And uh, it's if you want to be a futurist and you look and say, okay, okay, you've got this now capability, uh, will you be, you know, be neuromorphic in the future where actually you'll implant those those uh, sensors inside your brain. And oh, yeah. Stuff, you know, Elon's doing that with pigs <laughs> now, isn't he? 
Yes, he's yeah. doing it. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I, sorry, man. I'm not cutting in that line. I'm probably <laughs> looking for the end of it, not the front yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I scare that scares me from a privacy uh, perspective. Anyway, yeah. but yeah. The, <laughs> no doubt. But we're in that world, and you know, we're not maybe not where the Jetsons were. If you we yeah. predicted or 2001 with Hal, but. We're certainly entering that world now where we have these capabilities. And, you know, I don't think we're close to quantum computing. Some people think so we are, but that would even, you know, accelerate the supercomputing capability, which I think is already uh, accelerating at a rapid rate because mm-hmm. we don't need the other. But, uh, um, you know, it is amazing. We, we, we will be, you know, uh, you know, one giant uh, brain of connectivity in, in, yeah. in the whole, whole world uh, in the next decade. And it seems like more of the questions we're going to have to answer are not necessarily if, you know, if we can, you know, it's should we, you know, when you think about that, that, that three, uh, that triage where I was going to go was, you know, historically, I think people think of cloud and they think, okay, I send a command up, it's somewhere up in the uh, cloud and then it comes back. But now when you, have this environment where you've got such high bandwidth and near ubiquitous connectivity, I can start to leverage where I compute, right? Exactly. If I need something real time, I, I maybe I got to do it down on my handheld or what's on my wrist. Whereas if I need five petabytes of data to be analyzed, obviously... I'll do it in the cloud. Do you see that a, a, as a trend that will continue? Oh, uh, yeah, I absolutely do think that's the case. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's also going to be linked in with our satellite capability and GPS. It, it already is in some capacity now. But I think we'll be doing everything, you know, from farming, agriculture to, to being, you know, if you if you need to uh, locate, you know, what, what the weather patterns are in a certain region, you instantly download it, you'll have it. Um, if you need to know what, what the weather uh, forecasts are going to be, um, you know, mm-hmm. from a comparison of, of the last hundred years and, and, and all the models, you'll be able to do it instantly. So I think we're going to get sort of more, even more of an instant society. And, uh, you know, that goes back to sort of what we were talking about earlier is that, you know, is it changing us? You know, I, I look at my daughters and I see how they grew up with technology and it's an addictive thing. And, and, and it's very difficult to, to relax since it's still, Without having an iPhone glued to you, or we're looking at, you know, what what information you need to get. Even my students, you know, you can Google it or do whatever you need to do. Does that actually change our wiring in our brain, our expectations? Does it change our, you know, our our, our uh, who we are? Mm-hmm. Does it make us, uh, you know, a less personable? Does it make us more all the same? Does it take away our identities? Yeah, and interesting. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of philosophical implications of this, but and and, and the, going back, I think the cloud, you know, obviously the, the benefits of it, you know, for for humankind are, are much greater. If you look at health, you look at telemedicine, you look at all the implications for autonomous vehicles uh, directed through the cloud. Um, it really is going to change that, you know, with 5G and the cloud combined and supercomputing, like you said, that uh, that uh, uh, three three pillars will really guide us uh, probably for the next uh, three decades. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with you, Chuck. I think one of the luckiest days of my life was when I went to work for that guy selling fishing tackle and knives, that wholesale distributor, and he went out and bought a computer. 
and said, <laughs> you know, we should sell these, not fishing tackle. And helped open up that dealership in 1983. I mean, it was a, just a, a wonderful, wonderful benefit and a great for me to get into this business, get to talk to guys like you and uh, it's been an exciting ride. And now I think for as long as I'm going to be living, it's going to be exciting for the next 20 or 30 years or however many I can eke out. <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be very exciting. It's, it's, it's fun to imagine what comes next, you know, yeah. with uh, you know, the holograms and everything else happening. Uh, yeah. The telepresence. Know. I think, you know, I, I, I've often pondered Chuck the, you know, I, my analogy is when I talk about vinyl and how it was around for years and years before we moved into different tape forms and then they were really short-lived. We got into DVDs, you know, CDs, DVDs, and then it's all digital. And as soon as we got all digital, now there's just two goalposts, right? Vinyl for the purists and digital because it's the convenience. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I believe that in the same way, I mean, we've had some massive transformations happen in our lives that have forced us to do things differently. Vinyl, in this analogy, uh, that's the conferences, the belly to belly, the going to dinner, the having lunch, the, the meetings, the interaction with your peers. Uh, Zoom, I think, is a, uh, somewhere in the tape uh, families, uh, you know, and we're going to get somewhere else where it and maybe it is going to be Oculus based or some telepresence based where it's not going to be like seeing you, but it's going to be better than what we have today. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I like your analogy there. I would even put it to, to one towards food. You know, we have, uh, you know, fast food dining. We have casual dining. We have gourmet dining. I mean, there are all elements that it depends upon you what you need or what you feel like or have the ability to do. Uh, you could take advantage of. And I think most of us do fast food, but uh, because it's there and it's easy, and that's a lot like the cloud and computing, but there are elements that, that you can be upgrade and do specialized uh, uh, activities. Um, that's all part of it too, the same platform. So, yep. yeah, you know, it's a, <laughs> I think it's going to be really interesting what's going to happen in the next few years. And, and uh, you know, I think uh, we're, we're just starting to look at it you know, uh, in, in, in exploration and, in uh, everything else we're doing is 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 a really exciting time to be alive. It 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 certainly is, and I have to tell you, the last uh, thirty forty minutes have been really exciting with you, and I appreciate you coming in and uh, spending time. I hope we can do it again, Chuck. I'd love to have you back, and we can maybe uh, pick a subject and really dig in. Uh, maybe we could have one of your students or something. I mean, I don't know. I'd love to do something fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, that would be, that would be terrific, but I really want to thank you very much for your time today. Thanks, uh, uh, for joining me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Really enjoyed it. And I look forward to, to participating again. Great. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, that's it. Another episode in the books. I want to thank you all very much for joining me today for another episode of Talking Cloud. I hope that you have enjoyed it as much as I have. See you on another episode soon. Take care. <music>